0: Good morning. Good morning and welcome to the recovery and physical challenges it's worksheet. It's not on. Okay, thank you. How do I do it? Okay, there we go. Okay. Welcome to the recovery and physical challenges workshop. My name is Kathleen, and I am a compulsive overeater. Kathleen. Hello. Uh, I am your moderator for the meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones and other electronic devices be turned off now. We remind you that this session is being taped. All speakers must sign a release form, which I have right here. Let's see. Um, May I have a volunteer to time the speakers for 20 minutes?
1: Thank you.
0: Oh, okay. Is there anyone else who would like to be a timer? Thank you. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The, expi- the opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this session is as follows We will have three speakers who will share for 20 minutes each, followed by three minute open pitches until the end of the session. The topic for this session is recovery and physical challenges, mining through the ups and downs. The following is a reading from Alcoholics Anonymous, edition 3, page 449. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober unless I accept life completely on life's terms. I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world, as what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. Our first speaker is Janeth from Sacramento.
2: Thank you. Thank you. My name's Janeth. I'm a compulsive overeater.
3: Hi, Janeth.
2: Hi. Um, My experience, strength, and hope... Is that I came into this program sixteen years ago, and uh, i 've been abstinent for about the last uh, eight or nine years and um, my hope is and i'm i 'm maintaining an eighty pound weight loss at this point um, what happened to me is uh, on the eighth of december uh, two thousand and nine, um, I came down with a very painful um, illness that made it impossible for me to walk or stand or sit. I had to just lay flat and I did this for four months, and then I found I was so weak i couldn't i couldn 't um, get off the couch. I couldn't get up. I couldn't move, and so they put me in the hospital, and I was there for a month, uh, and they sent me home, and I, when I got home, I couldn't breathe, so they sent me back, and I was there another uh, two or three weeks, and then I went to... Um, um, Escatron, which is a, where they teach you to walk again when you haven't been walking for a long time. And, um, and I was there for a couple of weeks, and then I went home, and I was able to get around with a walker and, and my wheelchair. Um, what happened during this time, when I was in the hospital and everything, I had uh, several things wrong with me. Um, when you lay flat on your back for four months... Uh, you get all kinds of problems, and um, so I was in the hospital with I had three or four different infections and 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 other problems. So I was oh yeah I can speak up okay thank you. I when you depend on this then you know you forget um, anyway I was I was really flat on my back and when I got home. The second time, I was able to breathe on my own. Um, But all the time I was in hospital, I even had to have breathing lessons, breathing uh, to help me breathe because I couldn't get any air in me. Well, all during this time, I wasn't able to get to a meeting, and I wasn't able to work my program as far as my food went because the hospital was feeding me. And at this time... I didn't worry about the food. I didn't worry about anything because uh, I felt that I was in the hospital's hands and I had to just accept whatever it was they fed me. They knew I was diabetic. They knew that I had uh, the problems that I had and so they fed me uh, according to uh, the, the way they wanted to and uh, and so that worked out okay. But while uh, I was well, in the hospital, you sort of forget what day it is and and uh, uh, how long you've been there. You, you really don't think about it after you have so many days of the same thing. And even in the hospital, I wasn't able to get up and walk and, and until the almost the end of my uh, stay there. But I was able to work the program. Uh, because I was able to call my sponsor. At first, I didn't call her. I just, you know, I didn't even think about it, and that's that's really weird because I call my sponsor nearly every day. And um, what happened was, uh, I just I forgot about it. I was so busy thinking about if I was ever going to get out of the hospital or not because I was. The longer I was there, they didn't tell me what I had when I went in but i at the end of my bed on the wall there was a chart and it had my name on it and then it listed all the things that were wrong with me and i couldn't believe it and and um so anyway i i really f- forgot about calling my sponsor and finally she called she i guess she called my home and my husband told her where i was and I think she called me in the hospital, and then I started calling her every day from there. And then when I went to Escatron, um, I think I called her there too, but I'm not sure. I can't remember. When you're not well, you don't think real well. Okay. Um, when I was able to go to meetings in the, in the last two years, I spent almost all of last year in the hos- uh, on my back the The illness that I had the first time went away, but it came back and i don 't know what brought it back. I have no idea I know what I know what brought the first one on me, but i don 't know what brought the second one so anyway um, all the time that I was flat on my back last year i was I was bedridden from um, from March 26th uh, through February of this year. So I spent all that time. And, and you know, after so long, you start to wonder, um, are you ever going to get out of it? I, when I was on the couch, I thought, is this what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life? I really didn't know if I was ever going to get up. And I didn't know when I was flat on my back last year... Uh, if I was going to get off the bed, I really didn 't know um, one thing I did do though was I did get i got up and walked to the bathroom both times i I was able to do that, but it was very painful, and so when I got back to uh, either the couch or my bed, I was so glad to get there because the pain was by that time was pretty bad and um, so i 'm really really um, glad and my doctor didn't know what to do for me uh and i just i just kept calling my sponsor and and i read um she brought me tapes and i got to listen to tapes of another of a convention that we had and I, so i got to do that and um i got to do service i sponsored a, a woman while i was out on my back and uh, Because I didn't go to the, I live in South Sacramento, and I went to the South Sacramento meetings all the time. But what happened was when I wasn't there, there was only um, a couple, and then uh, they couldn't make it, and so they closed the meetings. And so the meetings all got closed, so I didn't have a meeting to go to. But I was able to do um, uh, sponsoring and and, uh, to do, uh, reading my books and uh, uh, different things. I worked the steps, not just for myself, but for but for my sponsee. I, I worked the steps with her, and um, I used to do a lot of service, but I wasn't able to do uh, much service except being a sponsor. But I did call my sponsor every day, and... Um, I had a food plan. I have. A, I had a girlfriend that a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, she, um, she got put in a wheelchair and she wasn't able to uh, walk anymore and be and be functioning. So what happened was she put on about 100 pounds. And when I saw her, I hadn't seen her in quite a while, and when I saw her, I couldn't believe uh, how much weight she'd put on uh, because... She was eating the same way she did when she was walking, and, and it doesn't work. And so when I saw her, I was determined that that was not going to happen to me when I was flat on my back. I just didn't want that to happen. And so I had a really good food plan. I took my food plan down to as few calories as I could, and um, that because when you're not doing anything, you don't get real hungry. Um, and so I took my food plan, very, very small amounts for my breakfast, my lunch, and my dinner. And that worked out really well. And I, I maintained a, about um, two to five weight average in there. I, I didn't go over three pounds up or down lower than three pounds. I st- I stayed within three pounds of where I was. Uh, all, the t- all the time I was there. And so um, that worked out real good. But I was beginning to wonder if I was ever going to get off the bed. I'd been there uh, 11 months, and I was just really... I had accepted the fact in my mind that that might be where I was going to be the rest of my life, and if it was, then I had to... Um, I had to make the best of it, and what I did, uh, I don't see very well. Um, I use a number 10 power magnifying glass if I want to read anything. So what I did was I joined the library for the blind and handicapped, and I had talking books and so I could lay there in bed and listen to talking books. So. It wasn't as if I just laid there and studied the ceiling, but I have to tell you, my husband had to come in and take the paintings off the walls and change them out with other paintings, because I got so tired of looking at those same paintings, and um, and I was I was just so so sick of that room, uh, it, but. Um, it was a real blessing that I had a bedroom. I I usually slept upstairs but um during this time different things happened and I had to have the paramedics. One one thing that happened to me was when I was at Escatron the first time, they um they changed my insulin to a different kind of insulin and um I didn't know that. They didn't tell me, they just They they gave me my insulin, so I didn't understand. So when I got home, the insulin that I was using, they sent home the new kind, and I didn't know how to use it. And um, the doctor at Escatron didn't tell me, and the pharmacist didn't tell me. And I questioned it with the pharmacist because the kind that I was taking was cloudy, and you you had to roll it to mix it. And then this one was clear. And I thought, oh, dear, I don't have any insulin there. That's water. And so I took it to the pharmacist and asked him, I said, I don't think this is really insulin because my insulin's always been cloudy and this is clear. And he came back and he said, no, you've been taking um, Novalin regular, no, not regular, Uh, Novalin long, long time, it it lasts you a long time. You take it in the morning, it'll last you to dinner. You take it at dinner, it lasts you till the next day. And so I said, okay. And he said, this isn't that kind. This is the kind that you take, you take it, and it works really quick, but it doesn't last. And I, th- I said, okay. And that's all he told me. He didn't tell me how much to take. So I was taking it like, like, um, my other insulin, he didn't say that there was a different way to take it or a different measurement to take it. He didn't give me any clue as to how to use it. So I was using it the way, the way my other one worked. And, um, I woke up one morning, uh, with five men trying to get me awake and, uh, they were paramedics and I'd been in a diabetic coma and, uh, and my temperature was 66, and my blood sugar was 25. And uh, I guess that's the closest I came to dying. Uh, but they were able to get me up and get me to the hospital and get my temperature up and and get my um, insulin working. And from then on, I... I told them that I couldn't use that that insulin because the measurements were so tiny on it um, that I couldn't. How can you measure one on a syringe? It, you just it, you just can't do it. And so I told them I wouldn't use that kind anymore, and that I had to have the the regular kind where I could at least see the measurements. So I had a lot of I had a lot of problems. Um, Finally, this last year in February, my doctor said she was going to send me to a physical therapist, and I said, "Okay." I said, "I don't know what I'm going to do if, when I get there," because um, uh, I couldn't. I still couldn't sit. I still couldn't stand, and I still had to lay down. So. They in the car to get me there. They put me. They put the f- seat flat, and I could lay there flat to get to the hospital. And then I went in in my wheelchair. And then when I got there, I had to go in their gym and lay on one of their exam tables because I couldn't. I couldn't stand even register. My husband had to go register for me, and he had uh, to tell the therapist where I was. Well when she heard my story and how long I'd been on my back and and the whole thing she gave me she said it was curable she said she knew just what to do and I'm thinking you mean you can do something for me when I've been on my back 11 months I was really sort of upset that you know maybe I couldn't have I didn't have to stay there 11 months if my doctor just sent me to the therapist to begin with but in about three weeks, and three sessions of therapy, I was back walking again and sitting. And, and I, I can walk small, short distances, but if I have to walk a long way like today, we parked way in the back, and we had to come all the way around the building. So I had to wear my, I used my wheelchair, but I brought my walker because I thought he'd let me off at the front, and I'd just come in. But even from the front to where we are meeting. That would be a long walk for me. So I was able to get recovery, get off the bed, and be able to do things. And next next month, I'm gonna go swimming. <laughs> and the reason I, d- I didn't know if I could go before because I didn't know what the pool looked like and I didn't know if if it had railings and steps. Some, some pools have ladders and I didn't think I could go up a ladder, but um, now um, the pool that I'm going to go in is down in Concord where my son lives and it has steps and it has a railing so I can pull myself up those steps. And so I'm really excited about doing that. I haven't, I haven't been in a grocery store or a regular store um, in two years. I haven't been anywhere but the doctors, the therapists, and home, and church. That's the only places I've been. And finally, I got to an OA meeting uh, this spring. My sponsor came and picked me up and took me to the Saturday morning meeting at, uh, at Sutter Cancer Center. And that was exciting for me, really exciting. We still don't have any meetings in, in South Sacramento, so getting to meetings is still really hard for me. Um, but I'm able to sit and stand. I can't stand more than 15 minutes. Um, my legs just start to go like that, and I just have to sit. So um, that's why I'm sitting today, because uh, talking 20 minutes is five minutes too long. <laughs> but I'm so grateful um, during all this time. I know I've I prayed for my, for me, and um, and I. And I prayed that I wouldn't have to stay on the, the. Okay, one minute. Okay, um, I just want to tell you how, if I hadn't worked my program during all this time, I would still be. I would be three hundred or more pounds. When I first came to OA, I was two hundred eighty-five pounds, and I've. And I thought I was gaining for the last three months before I came, I had gained 15 pounds a month. And I thought, if I don't get help, I'm going to be 900 pounds. And you're going to see me on the cover of Globe in my little string bikini and, uh, at 900 pounds. And I just knew that's where I was going to end up if I didn't get help. And so... That was my motivation to come to OA to begin with. And I have to tell you, I've had marvelous sponsors. I've had a lot of different experiences. I've been here 16 years. And it's just, this program is an answer to prayer. And it's helped me. And people who look at me and they say, well, you know, you're not down to your goal weight. Well, I'm not down to my goal weight. But the miracle in my life is that I'm not up at where I was before I came. I'm not. I had a really good abstinence, and I took off 113 pounds, and then something happened, and I, I broke my abstinence, and that was the, the worst thing that could happen to me. But I have to tell you, this is a God program, and uh, this is exactly um, what I needed to keep me from going back to where I was before I came. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Janeth. Our second speaker is Alice from Mission Vallejo.
3: I'm Alice, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Alice. From Mission Viejo. And um, wow, I, I don't look like I'm physically challenged. <laughs> um and that's what happened when they disabled me from the bank i would go into the bank and they'd say oh you don't look like you know i said oh they disabled me they said ah, my hands didn't work you know and um and my all things were wrong with me but i didn't look like it but i came to oa when i was um, 59 years old i'd raised eight children i'd um, gone up and down and wait all that time i was you know always 130 pounds, 135 pounds, even after six of the kids. And I was able to, you know, keep the weight off and take it off when I wanted. And all of a sudden, I started having problems. In 2004, that's what, eight years ago, I had back surgery. And um, it put me on my back. And um, I was in another program at the time. So we started a meeting at my home. That's a really good solution to being stuck at home is girls start you just call people and say, come over to my house. We're having a meeting," and you. Get the literature, and you stay by the traditions, and it works, so I was able to do that and that 's twelve years ago or eight years ago and so that helped and but then i can 't my girlfriend was bulimic, and she, I, we were best friends. we were eating buddies. Anybody have an eating buddy yeah. uh, and uh, we were eating buddies, and um, she was bulimic, and I went to my first o a meeting just to be to help her. mind you, I was fifty nine years old and two hundred and forty pounds. And I said, I guess I got some weight I can lose too, you know. And I went with her, and that was the saving grace. I I walked home from that meeting and took all the noodles out of my soup and just went no flour, no, you know. I went right into that, um, the mode at that meeting because I saw dignity and grace in a way. I saw that, the love and the gentleness that these women had. And I was the only really person with weight on me at the time. These women were all working a program, and you could see the glistening in their eyes, and you could see their. I mean, they said, welcome home, honey. And that was like, whoa. And so I kept going. And at 45 days abstinent, these other ladies were coming in and they were getting flowers because they had 30 days and they became sponsors. And so we kept getting sponsors. But the sponsors, the four sponsors they had would not raise their hand that they were taking new people. And I was mad. So at 45 days, I said, this is nonsense. It's supposed to be a wee program, and I need help, and nobody will be my sponsor, and I'm crying at the meeting. You know, you get to cry at the meetings. You get to, um, they call it cry Outside the program, I call it crying, but inside the program is called melting. That I can do it myself stuff has to melt away, and it comes out through the eyes. And you just, sometimes you don't even know you're crying. You feel that gentle don't have to do it alone. I don't have to do it alone. And so I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to lose. Well, in eight months, I lost 90 pounds. I look sick, girls. <laughs> I didn't look good. But everyone said, you know, oh, my God, oh, my God. They didn't even recognize me at my daughter's wedding. I hadn't been back east for a year. So they, I lost all that weight. And But I, lo- I didn't look well. But um, I went to the doctor, and they found uh, um, cancer. And so... Um, they said, well, well, you know, and if I had had that weight on me, they would not have found it. It was it was just the beginnings of cancer, and, and um, they said, well, we can do surgery or we can do this, or, and I said, you know what, I'll do the surgery. I, I, I got a brain set that I'm like a car. You go in and get new wheels. You go in, you know, like, okay. But you know what, it was people in the program that called me and said, you are so lucky to have bre- breast cancer in 2007, the change of attitude. You never went, oh, my God, she's got breast cancer. And she said, because eight years ago, they didn't know anything. Now in 2007, they just, it's part of your program. You go in, they, they, the you know, insurance covers it, and it's just, you go home and you're, you know, you recuperate. And so I was stuck, and um, my first year after I was in, in a year, I was in bed, the same thing, you know. Um, but people came to me. One of my friends in the program was a nurse. She came in and changed my, you know, changed me, my, my uh, drainage. And someone else came and uh, brought me books. And um, not to just work programming. I I had program, and I I, I lived the program, the Third Step Prayer. I'd, I'd read it before, but in OA, it became my inside, you know. God, I offer myself to thee. And when you're... When you're laying in bed and you can't move, you can't use your hands. And um, then my son, a week later, committed suicide. And I was like, oh, how do I do this? And you know what? With, with the prayers of the program and the people coming to me and talking to me, someone else calls, And my son did the same thing. Someone else called. And my husband was furious. And he's not in this program, but he had a program. But he um, he was able to do everything for me. And my friends were able to come and do things for me, and I would chase him away. Please leave me alone. Let my friends... Nur-. And the program, the people nurture you. They don't come in and say a poor thing. They, they send you soup, you know. <laughs> it's like, so um, so that was that, that, and that was about um, three or four months. I ended up going to meetings. The meeting was next door to my house, so someone would drive me, and they had an elevator, and I just went and did things I could do. And uh, the program worked. I called my sponsor every day, and um, so shortly after that happened, I was fine. Everything's going great, and um, so. But you know, when you get abstinent, all of a sudden you get energy that you don't know you have. You didn't know, you know, when you start losing that weight. When when you have, I had ninety pounds on me, so I can't even carry ninety pounds. How many of you can actually carry ninety pounds around with you? Well, I was doing that, and my heart, and my lungs, and my everything was breaking down. And so that's what happened. I, I started doing more and doing more and doing more and doing more till I was like this robot. Go, 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 go. Always on my feet, running up and down steps. I never walked a step in my life, running up and down steps. And um, all of a sudden my knee goes, you know, this knee starts start having a problem. And I said, oh, my knee. And the doctor says, well, if you do water aerobics, that will help. And I did it. And I. It, The pain went away, and I was fine. So then my feet started, you know, and your feet are, like, really important. (laughs) And uh, you can't do much without your feet, and I didn't realize that. And they said, well, we're going to work on this foot and this foot, and we're going to do this, this, and this. And I thought, well, that's fine. I didn't know it was going to be, like, four months in recovery, not being able to get up more than 15 minutes, stand more than 15 minutes at a time. And like um, was mentioned before, I didn't know that I wasn't, uh, you know, that, it was, it was hard, but, you know, my husband knew my food plan. He knew I ate this, this, and this each day. He knew that I could make, I, I don't know if we talk about food, but bacon, eggs, toast, and tea, and fruit cup in five minutes. And I do it every, time, every morning. I would get up, I'd throw the, two, the bacon in, in, the, in the microwave, put my egg on, I got my water boiling and toast in it, and in five minutes I could do that. Well, this man, for two and a half months brought me breakfast and bread every day, and I fell back in love with my husband. And um, I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to repay that because he's been healthy, and he started seeing me fall apart, and he started working on a program. And he, he has his own program, <laughs> and um, and he has a friend that was in OA and, and kind of helps him. You know, we all have these people that are had worked the program, and they, they look good, and they feel good. But then, you know, you can't walk. You look great, but you can't walk. And the weight creeps up on me. You know, the weight cre- crept up on me this last I was all ready to do this talk, but I thought, gee, I feel so healthy. I, and um, I wouldn't have much to talk about, you know, being sick and, and um, anymore because I'm healthy now. Well, last Friday I was coming down with this little cold thing, and I thought, oh, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. i do my regular rest and all that. Went to the doctor the Friday after my meeting. Um, we had a meeting, at, actually had an me, OA meeting at my house. And, I, and after the meeting, we went out to Pollo Local. We, we got this social thing going. We went to this, you know, we go to this one restaurant uh, twice a week. They they all wonder where I am if I have to miss. And here I was, I, got, I went to the doctor after we played cards, because I believe that when you're in the program, you have to play too. And my one-girlfriend says, we'll come to your house and play cards. So we played cards, and I was fine. About 4 o'clock Friday last week, I said, i got to go to the doctor. I went to the doctor, and he says, you've got pneumonia. And I go, oh, great. So pneumonia means you don't do anything. you just, Everything heals by itself. You, you know, take your medicine. And So he gave me five days of medicine, and by Wednesday I was going to be well and wonderful. And, and you know what? By doing exactly what I'm told, it's so good not to be defiant anymore and knowing I can do it my way. By doing exactly what the doctor said, I was okay to drive up here with my three friends and um, be here at this convention and be able to to talk about, but a day at a time. I didn't go to meetings last week, but I got phone calls. Oh, my God. I got phone calls up and down and around, and some of the girls that were going with me, they know I live one day at a time, one minute at a time, and they were calling me to try to find out what we're going to do next week. And I said, you know what? It's not next week. (laughs) I can't. I couldn't get on the phone because I was in bed. I was trying to rest. I was sleeping, and all those things that we don't do when we're when we're out there, you know. And um, and then I, I I was in the meeting, and um, some lady come in, and she was very over, very heavy, very young, and um, but she could hardly walk. And um, she said she had this fibromyalgia thing, and I said, oh, I got that. I don't look like I have it, but I got. It. I've got this back problem. I said, oh, I had that. And so, you know, you don't know why you had to have all these things happen to you. You don't know why you had to go in and have cancer and a mastectomy. You don't know why, you know, these things happen to you. And it's not bad things. It's just life. And that's what we, we learn in this program is to get get a different look on it. It's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Something happens because it's it's part of world. You know, we're not in we're not in heaven yet. We're still down here on this planet earth. And so when something happens it's not why did it happen to me? And I says, Better you than me No, not better you than me. <laughs> but you know, it's it's true. And it says, Well it happened to me and they said, Really? That happened to you? Well what did you do? I says, I went to my meetings, I I made my phone calls, I, I did my food plan and um so it's it's not um it's not you know, rocket scientists, you just one day at a time, you can't stay abstinent for six years and 10 months by um, living six years and 10 months. If I thought I had to go through the stuff I went through the last 10 years and six months, I would have said, oh, the heck with it. But then I would have been heavy and sicker because I couldn't even carry this discarriage. Today, uh, I'm going to be 66 in October. And I feel better than I have in years, except for I just got over pneumonia. You know, so I <laughs> say, what's that? But, you know, that's how we do. Life is life is too short to be worried about, you know. Someone says, oh, you have all those kids. I says, yeah, but they're not in my face 24-7. These kids are 46 years old and 45 years old and 30, you know, my son's going to have, my son's having their first child. He's going to be 29 this year. And my youngest, that's my youngest son. And my other son got sober in AA, and he's a wonderful um, Person to be around and and we don't complain in our house, we don't yell and holler if we're sick, we lay down. If my back hurts, I don't go say, "Honey, my backs bothering me, I go lay down i don't take pain medication because it knocks me out, and I'm dead. you know one little pill, I was out for two hours, you know, so i um and they say you, you know you, you can have pain, but you don't have to suffer you don't have to you know you care yourself. Anyways, you carry yourself the way your body's supposed to be. I, I started this shoulder thing, and the doctor said, well, you know, you're 66 years old, that shoulder's worn out, and what did you do with your life? I said, I had eight children, and, oh, you had eight, that's enough. <laughs> but the the shoulder, um, she says, I did, the simplicity of, of, like she was talking about therapy, the simplicity of allowing your your arms to rest in your socket where they belong, The the... the the ability, I was driving like this when I had the fiber measure, my back was always straight. No, you just go to the bottom of the wheel. Your, your, your hands are right where they're supposed to be. The physical therapist helped me more than anything. And I drive. I never have back problems from driving. I'm never exhausted. I don't have pain, neck pains from going like this all the time. I sit in the back. People say, why do you always sit in the back? I said, because I can see right on. I'll sit in the back corner so I can see the whole room. I don't have to turn my neck six hundred times and have this these pains all in here and everything. I don't have that anymore, but I could have taken pain medication and continued to destroy myself. And that's what was happening they were the doctor. Said, well, we give this for your pain. I said, no, fix it, you know, or show me how to get better. So when I'm if I start slouching, I deserve a back pain. <laughs> I mean, it's like okay, stand up straight, but. Life's too short. Life's too short to, to worry about what's going to happen. I mean, if I had to think about that I was going to have pneumonia the week before I came down here, I would have canceled if I was living in next week. But today, a day at a time, you can do it. And um, it's amazing. I'm so grateful to see so many people. You know, I had the privilege of going to World Service for four years. I had the privilege of going to um, region for four years. I met people all over the world. Um, and today, I'm just I meeting a lot of people from, from Northern California, some cities I never heard of before. <laughs> but I know every city in Southern California, so if you, if you live there, I know where you live. <laughs> and um, thank you so much for being here, and thank you for, um, for my abstinence and my, my uh, sanity and my life.
0: Well, thank you, Alice. Our third speaker is Lila from Roseville.
4: Hey there, everyone. Hi. It is so great to see all the people here in recovery. It's one of the things I really love about about events like this. It's just we're all here trying to do something good for ourselves. And it's it's wonderful company to be in. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to be here talking today. Um, I was asked specifically to speak because I had an abstinent pregnancy in OA, and, and um, having an abstinent pregnancy is probably one of the greatest physical challenges and emotional challenges that I've, that I've had. So um, what I actually want to talk about is I've, I've had two children. I've been pregnant twice, And my two pregnancies were separated by 10 years and 12 steps. So (laughs) I am basically a completely different person than the person who had my son 10 years ago. Um, And so it's been a really interesting point of contrast for me. Um, So it's kind of interesting because looking at it, you would think that given my lifestyle, I have a lot more uh, kind of pressures on me these days. Um, you'd think that I would have been really stressed out during pregnancy number two, and pregnancy number one, I was—I um, I didn't work. I was a grad student, and um, you'd think that I would have just sort of skated through and been like, "Hey, I'm a student. I don't have to go to work. I'm pregnant." But actually, that wasn't the case. Um, pregnancy number one, I was miserable and a total stress case, and pregnancy number two. I was virtually stress-free. I'm not saying that there wasn't any stress, but I had tools to handle it the second time around. Um, Pregnancy number one, I gained almost 100 pounds. Uh, I just went completely wild. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, pregnancy number two, I gained just about 30 pounds, which is what the doctor recommended. I saw a nutritionist, and I did it abstinently. Um, And, by the way, I have three years and three months at this point of abstinence, so... I was really worried that I wasn't going to be able to stay abstinent during my pregnancy, but I was able to do it. Um, I had to redefine my abstinence a little bit to do it in a healthy way, and so I met with a nutritionist at Kaiser, and she helped me put together a plan. I leaned really heavily on my sponsor and on my higher power and really worked my tools. So anyway, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But um, pregnancy number one, I developed borderline gestational diabetes, and I had to go in and get um, blood tests every couple of weeks. I was just right right on the edge there. Um, Pregnancy number two, perfect bill of health. Um, Pregnancy number one was full of anxiety. I was very self-righteous. I was kind of at war with the world. Pregnancy number two, like I said, um, pretty pretty low on the stress and um, and just very serene. And I was able to just really appreciate being pregnant and the miracle of life that was developing in my body. And that's actually been my perspective with the whole pregnancy. Now I have a nine-month-old, beautiful little daughter who has so much spirit and spunk. It's like she just fills a room and she's, you know, pint-sized. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, You know, and I'm able to just really appreciate her and I was able to appreciate being pregnant with her too, just feeling her moving around in there and, oh my gosh, I can't believe what's happening inside my body. This is such a miracle. Um, Pregnancy number one, I just kind of was numb and in a food fog the whole way through and I really did not... I didn't even get it. You know, I think back and I'm like, I totally did not get what a complete and utter miracle it was to have this this life forming inside of me. I missed it. I was like, I had front row seats and yet I just had my blinders on. It was like food, 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 food. So um, I'm just grateful that I've had a chance to do it again and really get it the second time around. Um, And the other day my, my sponsor texted me and she said, Thriving or surviving, which I thought was really great. Um, I like little mnemonic things like that, (laughs) little rhyming things. But in addition, it's a really good question, you know. Am I thriving or surviving today? And I would definitely say pregnancy number one, I was surviving. It was all about survival. Uh, Pregnancy number two, just thriving and appreciating. So, um, yeah, that's, that's basically kind of the contrast between the two. And what I wanted to talk about is sort of why I was where I was with pregnancy number one, and why I how I got. What was that? Oh, and how I got. Thank you. How I got where where I got for pregnancy number two because I I really owe it all to twelve step to OA. Um, So in the in the promises, I I love the um, the promises book. There's a quote, every character defect we have today has been used useful to us at some point in our lives. And it's important to remember this. My character defects that are slowing me down and getting in my way today and really like can, destroying my life you know, when I'm in them, are the very things that allowed me to thrive and survive, or not thrive, but survive when I was growing up. And so I basically, you know, latched on to certain coping mechanisms that in my life today, they just don't have a place. They're outmoded. And for me, my biggest coping mechanism was eating, obviously. Eating, 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 and eating some more. Um, and, uh, And, you know, in today's life, it just doesn't have a place anymore. So, I was confronted with the challenge of my first pregnancy a huge physical challenge. I had morning sickness that only felt better only had re- only felt relief if I ate carbohydrates <laughs> lovely right I mean, a total recipe for for disaster <laughs> for someone like me um, so, the morning sickness was probably the biggest thing, just the mood swings, um, sensitivity, all that stuff. And what did I do? I turned to my main coping mechanism and I, I just ate and ate. So, um, that was my tool 10 years ago. And how it left me was after the pregnancy, I, I had about 100 pounds to lose. Um, and it took me over seven years to finally get to the point where I walked through the doors of 12-step and said, okay, I need help with this because it's totally bested me. There's just absolutely nothing that I can do to, to come back from this on my own. I need help. Um, so that's when I came into 12-step. And I'm just grateful to my higher power. Just grateful. It's completely turned my life around. Um, and uh, it, the wonderful thing was just watching the weight just melt off and the even more wonderful thing i love that phrase come for the vanity stay for the sanity because it was definitely vanity that brought me in but i have gotten so much just just sanity from being in a 12-step program and using the principles to live my daily life Um, the principles are just they're wonderful they guide me in living my life and doing it with integrity Um, And, I, you know, for somebody who didn't have a whole lot of um, healthy tools at my disposal, eating being the main one and being a drama queen, I didn't have a whole lot of real healthy tools at my disposal. The wonderful thing is the principles of the program and the tools of the program give me a toolbox. It's like this ready-made toolbox, and I get to just pick it up and take it with me. And when I'm having a problem in life, I get to pop open that toolbox and use those wonderful tools. And so it's like somebody's just kind of taking me by the hand and saying, you have all these unhealthy ways of dealing with things. Instead of doing that, how about you do this? How about you call your sponsor? How about you write about it? How about you, you uh, focus outward on other people and give it away? How about you secretary a meeting? How about you... Um, How about you sponsor people and just spend time focusing on them and just not being in your own head? I mean, all these things are these wonderful tools that I can use um, that take the place of all those unhealthy tools. So uh, pregnancy two. Obviously, a real contrast. One of the biggest things was that it was planned. Number one was not planned, although it was a wonderful surprise. Um, But pregnancy two was planned, um, and there were known challenges that I was anticipating, and I was able to anticipate them and decide how I was going to handle them. So I really was able to go into it with my eyes open and in a much healthier way. Um, one thing was that I knew I would have to go off my medications. I medicated bipolar, and I was like, oh, gosh, you know, I'm going to have to basically go off my meds for two years to get pregnant and then to obviously stay pregnant. Um, <laughs> and I was nervous about that. Um, the other thing was I'd been really nauseous during my first pregnancy. I knew that that could very well be the case in number two, and it was, as it would happen. Um, number three: we went on a Disney cruise. <laughs> and number four is I was going to have to reintroduce whole grains into my diet. At this point when I got pregnant. I had been abstinent for two years, and that included, okay thank you. and that included, um, and that included no wheat. Of any kind. And, uh, you know, when I met with my nutritionist, basically, I basically was going to have to make that change. And I was very nervous about it because, for me, that was binge food. So um, I, I went in. I knew what these challenges were. I worked with my nutritionist. I worked with my sponsor. I redefined my abstinence so that it was something healthy that would be really good for the baby. And I was able to just focus on being loving to myself and the life that was growing inside of me. Instead of, instead of being just a slave to my cravings, I, you know, I always thought I confused my needs and wants constantly before I came into program. I thought that because I wanted it, I needed it. Mm, I really want that chocolate. I need it. I have to get it now, you know, (laughs) and that was my whole approach to life um, was just that total confusion between wants and needs. And really, I ended up ultimately not being loving to myself in the process of fulfilling all these unbridled, you know, wants and, uh, and so the great thing was with pregnancy number two, I was able to be very loving to myself. Um, if I was feeling nauseous and it was outside of my scheduled eating plan, well, guess what? I could lie down and take a nap. Um, I could just talk to somebody about it. And sometimes just hearing someone say, oh, that's so rough, is all you really need, at least in my case, just somebody to listen. And I was really able to use my tools and use them and use them and use them. Um Tools not coping mechanisms. So my daily tools all the way through my pregnancy: reading, writing, praying, meditating. Sponsorship, sponsoring, and being sponsored. I did not cut off my sponsees like a, the old Leela would have done. I didn't, you know, go into crisis mode and just go, I have nothing to give. You know, it was just like, no, you know? <laughs> I get to just keep doing what I was doing because guess what? It worked. It's still working. But if I want it to keep working, guess what? I have to keep doing it. (laughs) If I stop doing it, it's not going to work anymore. And that was a really big revelation for me. I used to just, it was like pedal to the metal. I just go for it. And it'd just be anything worth doing is worth overdoing. I get healthy and it would be like, I have arrived. And I would just stop doing whatever it was I was doing that helped. And, um, yeah, that didn't work so great for me. So I really was able to kind of look at what hadn't worked before and then make a point of not doing it. And, um, that, that really is, for me, the best part about working the tools and the best part about having a program like OA to go to is that when I'm left to my own devices and I'm figuring everything out on my own, a lot of times I don't, I don't make such good choices. Um, and so it's really wonderful having guiding principles in my life, principles before personalities that I can turn to when I don't know how the heck to act, which is very frequent. <laughs> Um, and probably one of the greatest things for me is just being able to talk to other people and do it. And you, you all probably know how it is. It's sort of like that, that 12 step language. It's like when you have other people who understand and they're living the principles and you get to have these wonderful conversations that are kind of elevated, um, and more on a spiritual level. And, uh, it's not just sort of the mundane, you know, I bought this and I did that, but you know, we're talking about matters of ultimate importance and um, and so that's just been a wonderful gift. Um, so yeah, let's see. I had to handle my character defects so that they didn't handle me, and uh, and yeah, that really worked. I would say that my primary character defects, my biggest biggest biggies that were just like tearing apart my life before I came into twelve step, were self righteousness and dishonesty. Um, I just had to be right at any cost, no matter what. I was a perfectionist, very low self-esteem. I felt like if I got caught um, making a mistake, I had to like, lie my way around it so that and reinvent the situation so that I was perfect. And then what I would do, my husband said it was really painful to watch, but I'd get in these like telephone marathons where I would like call all my friends call everyone I knew and tell them about this conflict over and over and over again because each time I was trying to prove to myself that I'd been in the right and that somebody had wronged me. But then I'd get off the phone and I'd start feeling like that creeping sense of, uh, did I blow it? Oh, gosh, did I? And then I'd get on the phone with someone else and retell the situation and reinvent the situation and try and make myself right again. And my husband was like, it used to just drive him nuts because he'd hear me just calling one person after another and ranting about things and never really getting better. So... I would say the hugest thing that being in 12-step has given me is the ability to be wrong. And, like, who knew that the ability to just allow myself to be wrong, and I was wrong before. I just was lying to myself about it. Um, Yeah, so, you know, just to be okay with being wrong. And I love the question, would you rather be right or happy? Because I find myself asking myself that a lot. You know, if I have any kind of conflict with some it's like, okay, you know what? What's my part? Because it always takes two, and I always have a part. And these days, I get to just own my part. I can think about it, what it is. I can work my daily tenth, decide, okay, make an amends for my part. And it doesn't mean I'm patting someone and saying, everything you do is perfect and I'm wrong. All it means is that I am taking care of, I'm cleaning my side of the street. What they do is up to them. They had a part too, but if you know if this person doesn't want to acknowledge your part or can't acknowledge your part, that's okay. Because what's important is that I acknowledge my part. So just allowing myself to admit that I'm wrong, making amends is, is such a huge part of my serenity today. Um, and the other part is a policy of rigorous honesty. So, so important. Um, I used to just constantly be lying. And the main person that I lied to was myself. And, therefore, I was, like, for instance, calling all the people the marathons of trying to make myself right. I was lying to myself. I was trying to convince myself that everything I did was perfect. And, of course, that's never possible, and so it wasn't the case. So, yeah, with, uh, with rigorous honesty and just being cool with being wrong and just making amends... Um, I'm able to really, really have a much greater level of serenity, which allows me to reach for the tools when I do have stresses or when I do have physical challenges like a pregnancy. I can reach for the tools instead of reaching for my coping mechanism. Um, And I'm just so grateful for that, so grateful. So now I have this beautiful nine-month-old daughter with my son. It took seven years to finally get to the point where I could lose the weight. With my daughter, the weight's off. And it's nine months after. So it's a, I, the weight is a physical manifestation of a spiritual malady. And so the focus really these days isn't as much on the weight. Although, you know, still, of course, I'm concerned about it and I watch it. But, um, you know, it's that, it's that recovery and serenity that is the hugest gift that I've gotten from this program. So um, the, the guiding quote for today's session, I, I, Part of it I feel really applies to me is I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. Because the only thing I can control, have any control over, is myself. And even that's tenuous. (laughs) Um, I have a friend who talks about, you know, that's not in my hula hoop. Basically meaning that that falls outside of my area of control. So guess what? I'm not going to worry about trying to control that. But what I do have control over is how I treat people in my daily life and whether or not I use my tools and do the footwork. That's a part of my recovery. So thanks, everyone. That's it.
0: Okay, our meeting is now. Thank you, Lila. Uh, the meeting is now open for three-minute pitches, and please sign the release form at the podium prior to speaking. We ask that you limit your share to three minutes, and we'll ask a timer to uh, again time and confine your share to the experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today, which is recovery and physical challenges. This session ends at 11:15. Okay, uh, we have the speaker form here. Well, the speaker form and uh, and pen are right here, so it, it makes it easier. Okay,
5: let's see. My name is Lee, and I'm a compulsive overeater from Santa Rosa. Um, I have been in program for a year and a half now, and I have lost 50 pounds, which I think is pretty good because it got me off of insulin. (laughs) And um, I just wanted to acknowledge that because, for me, um, I didn't think that was ever going to happen. I thought I was going to be an insulin diabetic for the rest of my life. And um, it just happened this week, so it's really up for me. The other thing is, um, you know, I've had um, three surgeries in the last two years, and I'm facing another surgery possibly because I, have, um, I tend to get bone spurs, which is part of having arthritis. And I, it, I ask my doctor, you know, it's like, uh, well, what do I do to stop the bone spurs? And they look at me and say, we don't know what causes it, so I can't answer that. And I have to leave it to higher power. To realize, you know, I can't control it. You know, I can't make it stop. I can't do anything to change it, you know. And losing weight helps because, uh, you know, uh, it gives me, um, you know, uh, some comfort. But I can't I can't make it stop. I'm not in control. And I hate that. And I don't want to have any more surgery. <laughs> but, I, you know, I just have to live with bone spurs, I guess. But, um, you know, working the steps and... Um, you know listening to the promise and reading the big book and doing all that stuff helps and having the support of my community here and well not here but in in santa rosa um is a is a big is a big big part of my life and getting to come to the convention is um beyond my wildest dreams um so i i just wanted to say um you know how grateful I am to be able to sit in these rooms, and and gain insight and love and understanding um, has really meant a lot to me. And I just wanted to say thank you to everybody.
0: Thank you, Lee. <laughs>
1: Hi, I'm Joel, a recovering compulsive overeater, and also a recovering arrogant asshole. About eight years ago, I found out I had, uh, I went to Kaiser, you know, for an ailment and just thought there should be a quick fix, you know, because everything should be quickly fixed. And uh, you know, I was very impressed by Kaiser saying, "Oh, we have got to do this test, that test, test." I mean, it was like within three days, I was just examined all over. And then I had my my primary physician call and said, "Oh my God, you have osteonecrosis. What are we going to do?" And I'm going fix it. So, go to see a surgeon who immediately uh, is also a an arrogant asshole, and informs me, after I had just lost 40 pounds, informs me that I was still over fat. And I was not pleased about that, because I thought I had done rather good. You know, I had gone from 260 to about, down to about 220 at that time, which I had done a lot of, the yo-yo dieting, you know. So, as soon as I finished that diet, and I was always perfect on a diet, and then I would go on and be the complete opposite, and I'd be perfect, and put it all back on again. So did the weight loss, and, you know, he's, it was like this attitude of, you could never lose enough weight before the surgery. Shoot, I lost 40 pounds, like, in, a, in about a month, you know, before the surgery, you know, because I was going to do it perfectly. And uh, then I had surgery, put all the weight back on again because I figured it was all fixed. Oh, no, now it's the next surgery. Now the next surgery. And and the, the being told that, you know, I'm not sure how much longer you're going to be walking. Usually anybody with this condition at this point, you, you would be in a wheelchair at least in five years. So there comes a depression, dieting, why bother? And clearly somebody said, you need OA. Uh, that was hard to walk into. So... And but it has made a huge difference for me. And probably it has really being part of this fellowship has finally provided me the opportunity to become humble, to learn how to learn humility and to understand that it's not perfection because I was always going to be perfect at everything. You know, I was perfect on every diet, but that it's the progress. And that it's now the progress. What I really find I'm progressing now on is I no longer need OA, I want OA. And I want to be here. So thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Uh, do we have any more speakers? Would you like? Oh, excuse me. Oh, great. Hallelujah. Come on out. <laughs>
6: You're doing this. Hi, my name is Gloria. I'm a compulsive overeater, and Hi, I, I just want to um, thank everybody for being here today. And I really appreciate the conference is doing this because um, this is a real um, struggle for me in recovery. Um, for myself, right now, I have uh, I'm on six, 17 months of back-to-back abstinence from sugar and flour, and I've released 56 uh, pounds. And thank you. I've still got a long way to go. Um, You know, and I I live in chronic pain. I have a lot of um, neurological problems that started when I was 12. And, you know, my eating disorder probably started when I was about 7. So they both are so mingled together. um, And dealing with, um, you know, dealing with pain and suffering and not being able to be physically immobile, you know the loss of my career, the loss of my ability to be um, active, has been very challenging. And um, when I wasn't in recovery, food was what I turned to. You know, um, and so when my pain got really bad, my food increased. Or when I was heartbroken of loss, my food increased. You know, and then I, you know, the self-hatred would grow because here I was sick, and yet I was getting fatter and fatter. Um, and I'm so grateful for recovery. Um, And yet this is still a challenge for me because um, about a week ago I couldn't even walk and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to come here. And the difference today is that I know I have to be careful about my food um, because I'm stuck in bed. I'm going to be having a lot of feelings come up, a lot of frustration. Um, The difference now is that I am abstinent. I stay abstinent. You know, I can recognize when I start to make little changes. I call in my food every day. Um, and I can accept that I'm not perfect. That you know, I don't know if there ever come a time that my when my health flares up, that my food isn't going to be more of a challenge. Um, but the difference is, is that now that I'm aware of it, uh, I'm, I'm looking out for it. Um, I know that I have to take extra care of myself. Um, I don't know what I'm saying, but um, <laughs> there's also I don't know if this is. PR but I I also use phone meetings because sometimes I can't leave the house and um, um, our fellowship has two phone meetings a week for people with disabilities and chronic illnesses Um, and that has been so helpful for me because it's just really nice to know there's people who understand um, what it's like dealing with both problems and for me they're so intertwined and um, you know I'm laying in the back of the room today and you know I'm grateful that I had the courage to do that. I'm grateful that I had the courage to go, I'm going to come here. It took me uh, a long time to get here because I have to drive and then stop and drive and then stop. But um, yesterday I was in a lot of pain, and I thought I have made a big mistake coming here. But then I realized, you know, I was just in a lot of pain, and I was willing to wake up today, have my heart open and know that I'm going to get a lot from this conference and I can take care of myself. And um, I feel... Physically, not great, but I feel emotionally better to be here today. Thank you.
0: She has the form. Okay, very good. Okay. Yes, please come.
7: I'm Amy. I'm a compulsive overeater and a food addict. And you guys, um, all of you being here, have given me so much hope. I've been quietly feeling like... I didn't know how to access my OA program in the midst of my health challenges, and um, I um, lost seventy pounds in the program. And um, then uh, it was too much, and they couldn't figure out. I couldn't figure out why I was still losing weight, and they couldn't figure it out. And it's been almost three years. I've been in this path to try and figure out what's going on. And um, you know, part of it was I didn't know when to stop, when to eat more. You know, I didn't know when to add food back because I never learned what hunger was and I never learned what a healthy weight was and I never learned any of that. And so I thought my body would just stop losing weight when I got to the right place, and it didn't. And um, I'm 5'6", I was down to 135, um, and I was bony, and, and, and I got weak from being hungry. And um, the, the other thing, though, that happened is that I never felt better. Losing the weight even even when my weight got to a better you know a normal place, um, so I have some kind of digestive problem going on, and it 's taken two years to find a doctor that 'll work with me and um, What I got from you guys is just a chance to be grateful and to express that to tell you how glad I am to know that my program works and this In the midst of all this, I don't have to give up just because I feel bad or I don't have to eat. Like, I don't have to eat just because I'm I'm not I don't have to eat because I want to um, or because I'm hungry sometimes, you know. Um, And I don't have to quit pouring my my energies into my program just because I don't feel good or just because something's wrong and there's not an answer yet. And... um, I am just so relieved and grateful to have heard all of you and to see all of your courage here uh, because I, I have so much to be grateful for, to have a path. You know, what if I was in the situation with no recovery? That would be despair. And um, I just, I just want to say thank you.
0: Um, did you sign the form? I'm sorry. Did you sign? Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, okay. Well, let's see. That is all we have time for sharing. Uh, it is now time to close the session. Before I, we close, I want to remind you that the hotel is offering a cash-only lunch option in the atrium from 1130 to 1230 for your convenience. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. If you enjoyed this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table to order copies of this session and all any other sessions. All workshops and main speaker events are being recorded and are available on CD or as an electronic download. Please join hands as we close with the OA promise. I put my hand in yours that you'll find on page 8 of your program. Can you come, can you come to the front, please? Thank you. You don't have to, Janet. Just so you hold hands. Okay. Sure. Yeah, it's not worth it. No problem. Yeah. I, I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we can never do alone.
3: No longer is there a sense of
0: hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for our power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding Beyond our wildest dreams Keep coming back It works